Welcome to the weekly podcast of Bright Star Bible Church. I'm Pastor Michael Branch. As we begin, we pray, Lord, sanctify us in truth. Your word is truth. So we're going to start in Luke chapter 1, verses 26 through 27. And I was thinking about, I don't, I don't always do Mother's Day sermons on Mother's Day, and I don't always do Father's Day sermons on Father's Day, but it is an opportunity to kind of draw um, out some truths in Scripture that maybe we don't always think about, okay? So I wanted to talk about the idea of God's mom, God choosing a mom, okay? And in fact, that's exactly what happened. It's fascinating that God wanted to... Uh, send his son, and so he had to choose a mother in order to have the Son of God be born through this this willing person, okay, this vessel. So, bless you. So, we're going to look at Luke chapter 1, verses 26 and 27. Luke 1, 26 through 27. Now, in the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent from God to a city in Galilee named Nazareth to a virgin engaged to a man whose name was Joseph of the descendants of David. So it's, it's establishing his lineage as a descendant of David. And the virgin's name was Mary. So the question is, was God making a random decision when he chose Mary to be the mother of his only begotten son, Jesus Christ, into the world? And the answer is, of course, no, because we know that God had this one plan, plan A, from the foundation of the world, and, and he knew exactly what was going to happen, when it was going to happen, how it was going to happen. And I believe he had uh, her in mind in his heart from the very foundations of the world. But Scripture also teaches us that God makes his choices based upon certain qualities in the people he chooses. And it's not like, uh, it's not like a contest, like a popularity contest or like a list of all the amazing talents you have. He looks at something quite different. In 2 Chronicles 16.9, 2 Chronicles 16.9, I love this verse. I've loved it since I was a kid. It's been kind of a theme in my life. For the eyes of the Lord run to and fro throughout the whole earth to show himself strong on behalf of those whose hearts, uh, whose heart is loyal to him. Okay? Someone whose heart is loyal to him. Not someone who has it all together. Not, not someone you know, who, who, like I said, has a list of all the right talents, uh, but someone who has a loyal heart, someone who will be on God's team. Now, when I think back as a kid and remember when I used to get picked in, in you know, they'd choose captains and they'd pick teams in PE, that was always an unfortunate experience for me uh, because I was normally the second to the last or the last person picked to their detriment, okay? And... Uh, so anyway, um, but I wanted, I remember how that used to go, right? Well, I always wanted to be on God's team, okay? That was kind of my heart. I wanted to be on God's team. I wanted to be that person. That's why I love that verse who was loyal to God. Even as, even as a young person, I always wanted to be loyal to Him. So there are a lot of people in the world with skill and talent but the vast majority of those people are actually, they, they're arrogant and prideful because of the skill and the talent. And so they reject God, believing that they don't need God because they can just work everything out on their own. It's kind of like, why trust God for provision? And I'm not saying this is the, the, the rule. I'm just saying, but uh, this is much of the time what happens. But, but if you, tr- you can't really trust God's provision 
if you're all always looking at your bank account and, and, and looking how much money you have and saying, well, I don't need God and I don't need his provision because I'm making, I've got a job and I'm making all the money I need, right? So it's kind of that mentality. You have to understand it all comes from him in the first place. But a lot of people say to themselves that they've been disqualified, that they've made decisions in the past or They've done too many things that were wrong. They've blown it too many times and they can't be used by God. But honestly, you couldn't be more wrong. I believe that oftentimes that's the position of the heart, being humbled often by the mistakes that we've made. Um, You know, that is when God is willing to use you because of your humility and the position of your heart. He wants to be able to use you every day of your life. And again, if you're uh, resting on your own talents or gifts or whatever, then it's sometimes you don't even give God an opportunity to work in your life or to even get close to him. But when God wanted to choose a mom, he chose Mary. Okay. He chose Mary and using God's holy word today, we're going to figure out why he chose her. What did he see in her specifically? But first of all, I do want to deal with some Uh, kind of false teachings and misconceptions out there about Mary herself. Not one time does Scripture ever say that Mary was sinless, okay? In fact, in Luke 147, Luke 147, Mary says, My soul exalts the Lord, and my spirit has rejoiced in God, my Savior. So Mary knew that Jesus the Messiah was to be her savior. She knew that she was in need of a savior and that her son was the one who was going to save her from her own sins and trespasses. So she admitted herself she needed a savior. She needed Jesus just as much as anyone else. Not once does the scripture say that Mary was a God or that she should be worshiped in any way. Okay, so we can establish that. We read that as the church began in the early church, the first century church, Mary was there. She was a part of the first century church. In Acts chapter 1, verse 14, Acts 1, 14, it says, These all with one mind continually devoting themselves to prayer along with the, the women and Mary, the mother of Jesus, and with his brothers. They did not, notice, they did not pray to Mary. They prayed with her and she prayed with them. She was part of that congregation, okay? Mary was not a super being, a superhero, or a demigod, okay? She's just... A woman, and in fact, to see the true uh, worth of Mary's contribution, you have to understand that God took an ordinary woman and did an extraordinary thing through her. And that gives all of us ordinary people hope, right? That God can use us as well if we would just submit to Him and His will. He did not choose her because she was highly educated, He didn't choose her because she was wealthy. So why did God choose her? Well, I think we can see, we can derive from God's word why God chose her. Mary's initial reaction was the same as ours would be in that what I would call a very unique and holy moment when an angel comes, the angel Gabriel comes before you and says, hey, you're going to have a baby, all right? I mean, we can absolutely agree that that was a major moment in, in the history of all of reality, in fact, okay? But her reaction was fear to begin with. And we see this in scripture, all right? In Luke chapter one, verses 28 and 29, it says, and coming in, he said to her, greetings favored one, the Lord is with you. But she was very perplexed 
at that statement and kept pondering what kind of salutation this was. Like, I love that. It's almost like in Scripture, she wants to say, hey, what's going on here? What in the world is happening, right? Um, but that, that phrase, very perplexed, it's also translated as greatly troubled or, in other words, petrified. Like, we see oftentimes when an angel of the Lord comes before a man and they fall down in fear, right? And they're always their temptation is to worship that angel, uh, because these must be in their in their glory, they must be fairly magnificent, you know, beings. So she was afraid in that moment. Um, so, what kind of fears do you believe came to Mary's mind? And specifically, this comes to mind for uh, a lot of you ladies in the house today, because I know that oftentimes uh, women can deal with insecurities. Uh, and, you know, guys like me, I'm pretty oblivious. I just walk around like oblivious. I could have something stuck, like eggs stuck to my face. And, you know, um, but I have noticed over 21 years of marriage that my wife is a little more observant than I am. And she thinks about things in a little more detail than I do. And I know that a lot of you ladies deal with that insecurity and the comparisons of culture and, and the, what you have, the, what you believe that you should have to live up to, right? To be the, the, the right mom or the right kind of wife or have the right kind of body or do I go out and work professionally or do I stay in the home and, 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 and be a mother? So here, Mary had all of these things in her heart at this time. First of all, the fear of criticism and maybe you guys, uh, even us men can, can um, relate to some of these. The fear of criticism. What are people going to think? right? I mean, think about it. She's, she's thinking to herself, I, have, I haven't been joined in marriage and I'm going to be having a baby. That had to cross her mind, okay? Not to mention uh, the penalty was death. If Joseph felt like it, he could have had her put to death. The fear of uncertainty. What are all the things that are going to happen to me? How many of you guys ever deal with uncertainty? Like, I just don't know what's going to happen and I'm freaked out a little bit about what's going to happen. The fear of inadequacy. Can I handle all of this? Am I good enough? Really? The Son of God? You, you, you're telling me I'm going to have a baby and He's going to be the Son of God? He's going to be God in the flesh? Talk about inadequacy feelings. <laughs> I mean, I think that would probably be a major one, right? But can you relate? Can you guys relate to that? The fear of change. What kind of change will this bring in my life? Now, me, uh, change is has been a fairly constant thing in my entire life. Like uh, by the time I graduated high school, I had moved to different houses in the neighborhood of like 55 different times, not even joking. So, so I was, I've always been pretty, I, I'm like a, Krista calls me a bohemian, like a, a gypsy, right? She said, you just, you just, wherever the, the wind blows, that's, you know, she has to hold me down. Um, but, but some people, the most freaky thing in the world that they could think of is if their life is somehow changed or turned upside down or they just just thinking about moving to another place or moving to a different school or you know just change in general well imagine what she was dealing with in that moment um, thinking about I'm about to have a baby as a virgin he's I mean just a little thing that he's the son of God this is probably going to bring about some change in my life, right? And those same four fears can keep any one of us, um, if, we, if we give ourselves into those fears, it could keep us from being used by God. But it wasn't that she 
had fear or were struck by fear, it was actually her response to fear. And that's what really is most important because we're all going to have fear. It was her response to that fear that made her special. And I remember, I've heard this saying so many times that the fears aren't the bad thing. It's it, it, Courage is actually what you do in action or in response to your fear. You don't let it conquer you. So um, we don't have to give in to those insecurities. I, I, I love, you know, in the last few years, I've just really adopted this mentality in my own heart that I'm invincible. Like, uh, I'm going to go the exact moment in time on this earth when God has sovereignly ordained me to go and I don't have to worry about anything before then. Like I'm going to utilize the time, every single tick on the clock that he gives me to the most of my ability uh, to honor him and serve him and, and do everything I can for him. Uh, but if you have that, if you know that is your outcome, that like what Jesus says, don't, don't fear the person that can kill the body, right? Don't fear someone who can kill your body. Fear the, uh, fear the one who can actually destroy the soul and the body in hell. And that's God the Father. He was talking about God the Father, like to be cast away from His presence, to be eternally punished. That's what you should be thinking about is eternity. Are you right with God first and foremost? And if you are, and you know you're going to be in eternity with Him, nothing this life can throw at you should cause you to have lasting fears, okay? So you're invincible. I would encourage you to adopt that as well. That no matter what happens, yeah, we're going to go through trial and tribulation, but no matter what happens, we're invincible, and we're going to wind up with Him in His presence for all eternity. So Mary responded the right way. She countered her fear with her faith. And it wasn't just, it wasn't her faith, it was her faith in God. That's the important thing to understand, and we need to learn from her. So three things I want to point out about her. Her desire to do God's will, her willingness to pay the cost, and her trust or her faith in God's promises. She knew that what he said was going to come about. So her desire to do God's will, her willingness to pay the cost, and her trust in God's promises. God uses people who desire to do his will, just like that scripture we read in 2 Chronicles. We should desire to do God's will more than anything else, more than, than uh, pleasing my husband or pleasing my wife, or doing all the things that they want me to do, more than pleasing my kids, we should want to honor God and the truth of God's word with our lives, our actions, and, and, our, and our words. That should be our number one priority in life, okay? Um, God has a definite purpose for what he wants you to be and what he wants you to do, all right? But I've always heard the saying that God is a gentleman, that he's never going to force you, right? Um, and I don't know the chicken or the egg, right? I just believe in God's sovereignty, I just believe in sovereign grace and that in his foreknowledge, he knew ahead of time that God's word teaches us that, that we love him because he first loved us, right? So, so I don't know how it all works. All I know is I trust God and my heart is, is a heart that desires uh, to do God's will above all else and not do all the things that I want to do, all right? Um, Mary was also sensitive to finding out what God wanted her to do. You see in Luke Chapter 2, verse 19, Luke 2, 19, it says, Mary treasured all these things, pondering them in her heart. She didn't just flippantly dismiss it. She pondered it in her heart. She thought about it. She was in deep thought and was wondering and treasured all of these things. It wasn't something that brought her anxiety. It was something that she treasured. Like, you know, what an incredible opportunity God has given me 
to bear the Son of God and to, and to rear the, the Son of God, right? Um, and we can learn from her response. God spoke, she treasured His promises, and then she treasured the fulfillment, okay, which included His death on the cross. So we have a clear message from God as well in Scriptures because when we know His promises, we will treasure the moment they are fulfilled in our lives. Uh, when we see God moving, God working, when we see a person come to know Christ as their Lord and Savior, those are things that are treasures in our lives. When we see our kids walking on the paths of righteousness, you know, those are the things that make us feel like, you know, all of the hard work and, and submitting to God and, and just, you know, time after time quoting scriptures to our kids and trying to teach them what to do is right. Uh, those things, it, those moments make it all worth it. Um, second, God uses people willing to pay the cost. He uses people willing to pay the cost. After Gabriel explained to Mary that as a virgin, she would conceive and bear a son by the empowering of the Holy Spirit, she answered in this incredible affirmation of her own faith in God, she said, and into the Word, she said in Luke one thirty-eight, let it be to me according to your Word. Let it be to me according to your Word to your word. Make no mistake that this is pure faith in the word of God. Yes, there was a message, a messenger giving her the words of God. Today, God's word that you hold in your hands, that is the message from God to you. And so our hearts should be in the position of saying, let it be done to me according to your word. Whatever it says, I submit. Whatever that takes, that's what I'm going to do. So Mary absolutely knew that doing God's will was going to cost her the loss of her good reputation. It's very likely that in their culture that Mary was probably around the age of 14, maybe 15. It's very likely that Joseph was around the age of 30. So we think of that now and we're like, whoa, that's nuts. But, but, but in their culture and in, in times past, even here in this country, that was a very normal thing, okay? But, but she was a young woman who had lived her life appropriately, and she was betrothed to a good man, and all of a sudden, this is turned on its head, and she knew that because she was betrothed, betrothed to Joseph, that before too long, it would become obvious that she was pregnant, right? You can't really hide that for too long, and in this close community of Nazareth, word was going to get around. This was not something that could be hidden. So maybe you can imagine Mary, like she imagined herself explaining to someone, no, no, really, the Holy Spirit came upon me and uh, I'm a virgin, really. I mean, can you imagine even the thought is ridiculous that you would even bring that up, right? That'd be like saying, oh, hey, guys, I'm late for church today because I was abducted by aliens, right? Um, it could happen. Um, anyway, um, so, so imagine the things that she was going through rolling around in her mind. What will my family think? What will my fiancé think? What will just the townspeople think? Will I use, uh, lose the man I love over this? And, and actually, will I even survive this? You understand? Because the law said that Joseph had every right to have her stoned. She could have been killed. And so, however, her faith was that she knew that if, well, if God said this, then yeah, I'm not going to die. God's going to bring this uh, to fruition exactly how he wishes to. All right. So she lost her reputation for a period of 
several years, right? I mean, until basically word got around that, that this could possibly be the Son of God because He's out you know, healing people and multiplying food and all of that kind of stuff. So we know that she was eventually vindicated in the hearts and minds of many, many people. Um, but again, y'all, it's the same for us in our lives. Sometimes our fear can trip us up. Sometimes our fear, if we give in to the fear, if we're unwilling to just submit to God's Word or submit to uh, what God wants us to do, and sometimes that's hard because culture tells us that this is how a Christian acts or this is how a person should act, and then the Bible tells us something in many, many cases, complete contrast to what the world is telling us. And sometimes in complete contrast to what the church is telling us or to what the Christian school is telling us, right? These organizations aren't always perfect. I mean, they're, they're not going to get everything right either. So that's why as parents and the family, we have to be connected to God in a way that we are dedicated to the Word of God first and foremost and teaching our children first and foremost before any of relying on schools or the world to teach our kids as well, okay? And here's, this is something that you have to understand when you do this as a family. I talked last week about having a culture in your family that, you know, well, I know they're doing that, but the, but the branches, we don't do that. Like we, well, the branches don't talk like that. Well, the branches don't go there, right? We have a culture. We created a culture. And our kids growing up knew that, that they were part of a culture that was different than almost everybody else that they went to school with or, or hung around. And I think that's important in a family to create a culture where they understand that just in being a follower of Christ alone, you are different. Like you're not walking the same road that everybody else is, okay? So there will be many, even self-proclaimed Christians who do not understand your faith. There will be others who flat out dislike what you believe, okay? They're going to argue or they're going to call you judgmental or holier than thou or so heavenly minded that you're no earthly good, all of that kind of stuff, right? There will be those who strongly disagree with how you live, your standards, and you may be criticized publicly or slandered publicly. But listen, take your blows, Make up your mind right now that, that this is who I am. I'm going to walk in faith. I'm going to count the cost, and, and it's going to cost me whatever it costs me, and I'm going to be faithful to my God. That's, that's where our heart should be. And doing God's will also costs Mary her comfort. I could talk about, I mean, just think about, go through the list of all the things that happen immediately, right? She, she's dealing with all of this stuff that what are people going to think, and, and then having to go live with her, her cousin, Elizabeth, and I mean, yeah, there was her cousin. And uh, yeah, because Jesus, yeah, sorry, I had to go through the family tree there for a second. Um, uh, so, so she had to go, thinking through all of that, going away from home. Then, once Christ, then she had to actually travel to Bethlehem because she didn't live in Bethlehem. And then there were these weird, almost contradicting prophecies about Jesus that he was going to be from Galilee but he was going to be born in Bethlehem, but he was going to be called out of Egypt. Okay, I don't get those three different prophecies that seem to be contradicting. Where's Jesus going to be born? Well, clearly we see that Mary had to follow Joseph and the voice of the Lord, the angel of the Lord instructing them, hey, Herod wants to kill your boy. You need to get up and go now. Go to Egypt, flee to Egypt. And so it was just constantly, right? Her, she didn't have that comfortable 
pregnancy that all of you ladies would love to have, right? Uh, some of you were like, yeah, it was not comfortable at all. Uh, so anyway, um, yeah, so in uh, Micah 5.2, the Bible says that Jesus would be born in Bethlehem. And then uh, there's other scriptures that talk about where it says, out of Egypt, I've called my son. And, and Jesus fulfilled every single one of those to perfection, which was just absolutely incredible. Um, imagine the comfort, her comfort sacrificed when she watched her son, her son, her only son at that time when, well, not her only son at that time, but this promised son, the son of God, when she watched that promise being nailed to the cross. Can you mothers imagine what that must be like to see your child uh, be brutally murdered in that way right before your eyes? Yes, she didn't run away. She didn't turn away. She stood there at his side the whole time and even prepared his body for burial after death. I'm sure it must have felt like a sword being, you know, struck through her heart at that moment, watching Jesus die. So anyway, what I want you to understand from that is there's no promise to the believer these days or any, at any time of comfort that, that things are going to be just go swimmingly and, and you're going to have all you ever dreamed, right? As uh, Pedro says on Napoleon Dynamite, your wildest dreams will come true, right? That is not the promise of, uh, of being a Christian, all right? We are called to give our lives for the gospel, whatever that might be, okay? Um, your selfishness, and that's what we really have to come to the understanding is that we're all selfish, every single one of us, and we all want things the way we want them, right? It's, uh, I want it my way right away now, and, and that's, kind of the, that's, that's kind of our flesh, but that is not a promise either, okay? The Apostle Paul tells us that the kingdom, about how, what it involves in Romans 14, 17, it says, for the, kingdom of his, for the kingdom of God is not eating and drinking, but righteousness and peace and joy in the Holy Spirit. So right now, when we have the promises of the kingdom in what God's word outlines to us in the measure of the spirit, the first fruits of the spirit, later we'll get it all together, the physical kingdom, the thousand year reign, all that. But right now, it is a spiritual kingdom and it, and it is, again, you are invincible. And because you are invincible, you can have peace and joy. You can have the presence and power of the Holy Spirit in your life every single day. And that's the goal. Okay, and that's a great deal, if you ask me. Finally, God uses people who have the faith to trust his promises. The object of our faith is God, and the foundation of our faith is what he promised he would do. The prophecies and all the things that he said he was going to do, all the things, when God gives his word, he fulfills every single promise, no doubt about it. Do y'all y'all agree? Amen. He absolutely does. He'll do exactly what he says he'll do. In Romans 10, 17, it says, So faith comes from hearing and hearing by the word of God. And when Gabriel told Mary what God was going to do, she had, she, yes, she had fear initially, but Gabriel proceeded to tell her how it would take place and added, For with God, nothing shall be impossible. So she trusted God. She just trusted God. And Mary basically responded... <laughs> Well, let's get it. Let's get on with it then, right? Let's let's get this thing going, and uh, and she was very very faithful. So the promise of God gave her faith to believe. 
that it would all come to pass. And that faith also gave her courage to face all the potential difficulties that were ahead. And, that, and it goes the same for you and I in our lives and when it comes to having faith in God. Luke 145, uh, Luke 145, Elizabeth said to Mary, Blessed is she who believed, for there will be a fulfillment of those things which were told her from the Lord. So even, even Elizabeth believed, Elizabeth had experienced God fulfilling his promises as well. And she said, or noticed that, or, or made that observation about Mary herself, that she believed and there will be a fulfillment. Um, when, when God called us to plant churches, there were some who probably felt like I w- was not qualified to do that, right? Um, for various reasons. I mean, everybody's got their reasons. And of course, I, I didn't listen to those types of, of accusations or things being said because I knew that God's word promises that, and this, again, it's not about me. You guys can all relate to this. When you feel like people are, feel you're unqualified or that you don't measure up, and I just say, praise God, I don't measure up because God's word tells me that in my weakness, he is strong. He shows himself mighty in the areas that I am the most tragic. <laughs> and so I knew that God's word says that whom he calls, he equips. And it says that he will provide all of our needs according to his riches and glory. So yes, thoughts cross my mind about will we ever find a building or you know, what if people just decide not to come? What if people decide not to give, right? I mean, all of these things that go into planting a church and you feel like hinges on. And the bottom line is I just decided, okay, what will be what will be. Lord, I'm going to be obedient and you do your thing. I'm going to stay out of your way. And that has kind of been my theme of, of my own faith in Him is I'm going to do what you call me to do. I'm not going to get too freaked out about anything. I believe that you called us to do this. So we're just going to obey and we're going to let you show us what you want to show us. And we're going to have faith. And, and guess what he's done every time? He's blown my mind every time. From the time that I was a kid watching, watching my mom and dad start churches and, and all of that to now being an adult and doing it myself and watching God provide in the way that he loves to provide, right? He will provide according to his riches and glory. And I love picturing that. It's like he's got every answer that you need according to his sovereign will. And all you have to do is trust him, have faith in him, pray and ask him to provide. And he will give you exactly what you need. It may not always be exactly what you want, but in that moment when you realize that, oh yeah, Lord, this isn't exactly what I've been praying for. This isn't exactly the answer I wanted. Um, his answers are always yes and amen, which means not that he's always going to submit his will to mine, but that I am going to do what is best for you, what's best for your family, what's best for your church, what's best for all of the circumstances, and ultimately what's best for my kingdom. So the best heart position that you can have is just simply having faith in God and trusting him the way that Mary did. So don't freak out. Do what Mary did in that moment. Desire to do God's will, be willing to pay the cost, and have faith to trust His promises. Moms, I just want to tell you, look, I love the scripture. It was for freedom that Christ set us free. It was for freedom. That's the whole purpose. Complete and total freedom that Christ set you free. That includes your insecurities. That includes the comparisons that you make between yourself and other women. 
uh, or your family and other families, all of these things that you feel like you have to measure up to, let, just let those go and be free in the Lord and just trust God and say, Lord, I'm not going to hold myself up to any other uh, comparison other than what your word says. But when I look at the word and I see what God's word describes in, in a godly woman, that, that, that uh, somehow I totally skipped that verse. Uh, I love this. Proverbs 31, 25. Strength and dignity are her clothing and her position is strong and secure. So you can be this foundational piece in your home. She rejoices over the future, right? She rejoices over the future. And I like what one version says. It says, she laughs without fear of the future. Like, it doesn't matter what comes. It doesn't matter what happens. I can stand in the midst of the storm. I can stand on a bright sunny day and it has no... It has no bearing on my faith in the Lord. I trust Him completely. Amen? And that's my prayer for you, you moms, whether you're, your moms have grown adult kids, right? Because that's kind of where, where we are. Well, not me. I'm, I'm a dad. Just, in case, just to make that clear, I know that can sometimes be questionable these days. But, uh, but yeah, always count on me to make it awkward, right? <laughs> so, um, but anyway, um, bottom line is I want, moms, I want your security to be in God and God alone and in, in the truth of God's word, that alone. And, and don't compare yourself to other mothers or other, your sisters or your, what, or your own mom, whatever the case may be. Uh, dedicate your life to living out the truth of God's word. All right. All right. Well, that's all I have for today. And uh, I just thought, Taking a look at Mary and, and the mom that God chose for His only begotten Son, I thought that was a pretty interesting uh, thing to take a look at. All right, let's pray. Thank you so much for joining us today. We hope you were encouraged by the truth of God's Word. If you're in the Tulsa area and are looking for a local church family that teaches God's Word, then join us at 1030 every Sunday morning. Or you can join us live online on our Facebook page or YouTube channel. Until next time, brothers and sisters, as Paul instructed, rejoice, be made complete, be comforted, be like-minded, live in peace, and the God of love and peace will be with you.